Section 10 of Life of Sir Walter Raleigh by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 6 Raleigh in Disgrace, Part 2. After this fight, a tremendous storm arose and did great havoc among the Spanish fleet and also to the fleet of Spanish treasure ships coming home from the West Indies. Thus, adds Raleigh, it hath pleased God to fight for us and to defend the justice of our cause against the ambitious and bloody pretenses of the Spaniards, who seeking to devour all nations are themselves devoured. Raleigh looked upon ceaseless opposition to the Spaniard as the sacred duty of every Englishman. He seems to have grasped the nature of Philip II's vast schemes to restore the Romish faith and place puppet kings on the thrones of France and Germany. With a monarch who cherished such schemes, there could be no possibility of peace, and it was this feeling as much as love of booty that sent the English privateers into the Spanish seas. Grenville's fight in the revenge shows the spirit which animated them. They knew no fear, they counted no costs before they attacked, but trusted to their own courage and to God. Doubtless the rich booty won in these fights was very welcome but a larger motive existed besides the love of plunder and in some perhaps was the strongest let not any englishman writes raleigh of what religion soever have other opinion of the spaniard but that he useth his pretence of religion for no other purpose but to bewitch us from the obedience of our natural prince thereby hoping in time to bring us to slavery and subjection as raleigh grew older and learned more his opposition to Spain grew more and more statesmanlike. With this view he wished to found colonies, that through them England's trade and wealth might grow and she might become more able to resist the encroachments of Spain. In 1592 Raleigh planned a new attack upon Spain. The Queen lent him two ships and he fitted out thirteen others. With these he intended to sail toward the Isthmus of Darien and lie in wait there for Spanish treasure ships this time he started himself with the fleet on the 6th of May, 1592. But the next day he was overtaken by a swift pinnace in which was Sir Martin Frobisher bearing a letter from Elizabeth bidding him return at once. On the 11th of May, accordingly, he left the fleet, giving one squadron in charge to Frobisher and another to Sir John Burroughs. There is some obscurity about the cause of Raleigh's recall. It is generally supposed that Queen Elizabeth had found out his intrigue with Bessie Throgmorton and wished to punish him for it. It is supposed by others that she did not like her favourite to run any risk and that his recall had been arranged with himself before he started. Be this as it may, his love affair was known to the Queen immediately after his return, and in July 1592 Raleigh was lodged in the Tower for his offence. Two years before, Essex had excited the Queen's bitter anger by his marriage with Frances Walsingham, the widow of Sir Philip Sidney. So violent was Elizabeth's anger that in a letter written from court, even some months after, we find it said, The Earl doth use it with good temper, concealing his marriage as much as so open a matter may be, not that he denies it to any, but for Her Majesty's better satisfaction, is pleased that my lady should live very retired in her mother's house. 
but elizabeth could not get on without essex and her love for him was strong enough to make her overlook his marriage and receive him into favour again with raleigh it was different in her first burst of anger elizabeth committed him to the tower his enemies did their utmost to keep him in disgrace so that he remained under the cloud of royal displeasure for a long while and never quite regained his former favour it is not possible to fix the date of his marriage with elizabeth frogmorton but it seems to have taken place some time in fifteen ninety two whether before or after his imprisonment we do not know from the tower raleigh wrote letters describing in the exaggerated language of the time his despair at being banished from the presence of his royal mistress in a letter written in july fifteen ninety two he describes himself as being become like a fish cast on dry land gasping for breath with lame legs and lamer lungs in another letter written to sir robert cecil burleigh's son in july fifteen ninety two when elizabeth was just starting on a progress he says my heart was never broken till this day that i hear the queen goes so far off whom i have followed so many years with so great love and desire in so many journeys and am now left behind her in a dark prison all alone while she was yet nigh at hand that i might hear of her once in two or three days my sorrows were the less but even now my heart is cast into the depth of all misery i that was wont to behold her riding like alexander hunting like diana walking like venus the gentle wind blowing her fair hair about her pure cheeks like a nymph sometimes sitting in the shade like a goddess sometimes singing like an angel sometime playing like an orpheus he ends his letter by saying do with me as you list i am more weary of life than they are desirous i should perish when we think that raleigh was writing of a woman in her sixtieth year this language seems absurdly overstrained but such was the fashion of the day one day raleigh saw from the windows of the tower the queen and her barge followed by a gay procession of boats passed down the river suddenly we are told by sir arthur gorgeous who was present he brake out into a great distemper and swore that his enemies had brought her majesty thither to break his gall and sunder with tantalus torment that when she went away he might see his death before his eyes he swore that he would disguise himself and get a sight of the queen or his heart would break as his keeper sir george carew would not consent a quarrel followed in which they ended by drawing their daggers gorgeous thus describes the scene to cecil at the first i was ready to break with laughing to see the two scramble and brawl like madmen until i saw the iron walking and then i did my best to appease the fury as yet i cannot reconcile them by any persuasions for sir walter swears that he shall hate him while he lives for so restraining him from a sight of his mistress gorgeous ends his letter by saying that he fears sir walter raleigh will shortly grow to be orlando furioso if the bright angelica persevere against him a little longer whilst raleigh was still in the tower news arrived that the portion of the fleet which he had dispatched under burroughs had captured a splendid prize a large spanish carrack of sixteen hundred tons burden called la madre de dios it was laden with spices drugs silks calicoes quilts carpets and colours to the value of a hundred and fifty thousand pounds this rich prize was brought home to dartmouth 
of course the sailors had managed to pillage something before burroughs was able to take formal possession of the ship in her majesty's name it now remained to divide the spoil amongst those who had shared the expenses of the enterprise the chief of these were the queen the earl of cumberland and raleigh himself elizabeth did not disdain to share as a private person in the expense of fitting out an expedition having no other aim than piracy and she was content to enrich herself with the spoil the news of the great prize filled the country with excitement merchants hurried to dartmouth in the hope of making good bargains with the sailors for the plunder they had managed to secure the port is said to have looked like bartholomew fair the queen appointed commissioners to go down to look after her interest in the capture the chief of whom was sir robert cecil she also allowed raleigh to go down to look after his interests though she kept a keeper with him to see that he did not escape the excitement on the arrival of the madre de dios caused great confusion the sailors were mutinous from their desire to lay hands on the booty and it was absolutely necessary that some commanding spirit should be there to keep order to bring this to some good effect wrote sir john hawkins sir walter raleigh is the very man sir robert cecil was very anxious to reach dartmouth before raleigh and in an amusing letter to his father lord burleigh he gives an account of his journey whomsoever i met by the way he writes within seven miles with anything either in cloak or mall which did but smell of the prizes either at dartmouth or at plymouth for i assure your lordship i could smell them such hath been the spoils of amber and musk i did though he had little about him return him with me to the town of exeter i compelled them also to tell me where any malls or trunks were and i by this inquisition finding the people stubborn till i had committed two of them to prison which example would have won the queen twenty thousand pounds a week past i have lighted upon a londoner in whose possession we have found a bag of seed pearls divers pieces of damask and etc i do mean my lord forthwith to be at dartmouth and to have a privy search there and in plymouth i have taken order to search every bag and mail coming from the west and though i fear that the bird be flown for jewels pearls and amber yet i will not doubt to save her majesty that which shall be worth my journey my lord there was never such spoil and thus in haste i humbly take my leave from exeter ready to ride to dartmouth this night at ten of the clock i will suppress the confluence of these buyers of which there are above two thousand and except they be removed there will be no good the name of commissioners is common in this country and in these causes but my coming down hath made many stagger fouler weather desperate ways nor more obstinate people did i never meet with from dartmouth cecil writes again as soon as i came on board the carrick on wednesday at one of the clock with the rest of her majesty's commissioners within one hour sir walter raleigh arrived with his keeper mr blount i assure you sir his poor servants to the number of a hundred and forty goodly men and all the mariners came to him with shouts of joy as i never saw a man more troubled to quiet them in my life but his heart is broken for he is extremely pensive longer than he is busied in which he can toil terribly but if you did hear him rage at the spoils finding all the short wares utterly devoured you would laugh as i do which i cannot choose he belike finding that it is known he had a keeper whensoever he is saluted with congratulations for liberty he doth answer no i am still the queen of england's poor captive 
i wished him to conceal it because here it doth diminish his credit which i do vow to you before god is greater amongst the mariners than i thought for i do grace him as much as i may for i find him marvellously greedy to do anything to recover the conceit of his brutish offence from this letter written by an opponent of raleigh's we can judge of his popularity amongst the men of his own country raleigh was not as a rule a popular man his manners were haughty and overbearing but in devonshire and amongst sailors he seems to have succeeded in winning universal love the spoil of the madre de dios was divided with some difficulty and a good deal of squabbling elizabeth's greedy spirit showed itself in her desire to get as much as possible at all costs for herself raleigh was very anxious to recover some of the jewels which had been stolen from the ship he wrote to burley on september seventeenth if it please your lordship to send a commission to alderman martin and others to make inquiry into london what goldsmiths or jewellers are gone down and that at their return they may be examined upon oath what stones or pearls they have bought i doubt not but many things will be discovered if i meet any of them coming up if it be upon the wildest heath in all the way i mean to strip them as naked as ever they were born for it is infinite that her majesty hath been robbed and that of the most rare things the queen of course got the best part of the profits she took somewhat more than half of the net proceeds the earl of cumberland got thirty six thousand pounds having adventured in the enterprise nineteen thousand pounds the rest of the adventurers whose share in the expense of the expedition amounted to thirty thousand pounds only got thirty six thousand pounds and raleigh after summing up the services that he had rendered the expedition adds bitterly that the others only sat still for which double is given to them and less than mine own to me there is something very undignified in the spectacle of the queen and her courtiers quarrelling for the plunder won from spain by piracy elizabeth wished in every way to make the most of her bargain the sale of certain precious articles was forbidden in the ordinary way of trade so as to get a better market for the merchandise from the madre de dios so that the prize was probably not of so much benefit to the people as to their queen End of section ten